The year is 1981. On the bustling streets of Amsterdam, a man sporting a black leather jacket, silver shades, and long blonde hair that easily identifies the era walks through downtown Amsterdam asking the Dutch-speaking locals in English a simple question. Do you know Van Halen? The glammed-up, leather-jacketed foreigner is David Lee Roth, the frontman of the rock band Van Halen. Barely anyone bothers themselves with his questions, as one man hardly stops to say no English before walking by. Finally, Roth stops three men passing by and repeats the question. After some brief conversation in both English and Dutch, the jest is up as the four men feign to suddenly recognize one another as the four band members of Van Halen. Vocalist Diamond David Lee Roth, bassist Michael Anthony, drummer Alex, and his famous younger brother, guitarist Edward Van Halen. Reunited, all four goof off as they tour the streets of Eddie and Alex's hometown, Amsterdam. For 11 years, these four men made up the group known as Van Halen. Together they would release six studio albums, all of which would go multi-platinum. They wowed audiences around the world with their loud and rowdy live shows, stunning fans with Eddie's unparalleled guitar techniques and bewildering them with Roth's on- and offstage antics. In 1984, the band would reach its prime with their sixth album, 1984. The record would reach number two on the billboards and spawn the band's first and only number one single, Jump. Despite their massive success, turmoil was brewing behind the scenes as this iteration of the band would soon come to an abrupt end. I'm your host, Forrest Kelly, and here is 10 minutes about Van Halen. In 1953, an Amsterdam couple was awaiting the birth of their first child. Jan van Halen was a classical Dutch musician, a master of piano, saxophone, and clarinet. Prior to World War II, Jan had performed across Europe. After the war, due to the Netherlands' proximity to Germany, Jan would move to the Dutch Indies in hopes of a musical career. It was there that he met Eugenia van Beers, they would later marry and return to the Netherlands in 1949. On May 8, 1953, the couple had their first son, Alexander Van Halen. And three years later, on January 26, 1955, they would have a second son, Edward Van Halen. But life for the young Van Halen family wasn't easy. Being Indonesian, Eugenia was treated as a second-class citizen while Jan's musical career demanded he be away from home for weeks at a time. In 1962, Jan moved his family from Amsterdam to the United States, locating in California. In a 2015 interview, Eddie recalled the family's trip to America. We came to America on a boat, nine days on a boat. My dad performed on the boat with the band, and that was our ticket over here. One day, he comes up to Alex and I, and he goes, why don't you guys play piano during the intermission? So we also ended up performing, which showed us the pluses of being a performer, because the next night, we were at the captain's table eating dinner. We found out at an early age what being on a stage meant. Eddie would continue to say that they came to America with $50 and a piano. While living in Pasadena, California, Eugenia would work as a maid while Jan worked as a janitor, taking up musical gigs on the weekend to get by. 
both emphasized the importance of music to their young children, so the boys began classical piano lessons by the age of eight. Even at an early age, it was clear Eddie and Alex were talented musicians. Eddie recalled that for years growing up, their parents would enter them into a local piano contest. Eddie won three years in a row. Regardless, neither boy cared for the piano, and upon discovering groups like Cream, the Dave Clark Five, and the incomparable Jimi Hendrix, both boys picked up secondary instruments before ultimately ditching the piano altogether. Desiring something refined, Alex's parents bought him a nylon-stringed flamenco guitar, while Eddie purchased his own drum kit. To pay off his new kit, Eddie picked up a paper route. While he would be out delivering papers, Alex began practicing on Eddie's drums. Before long, Alex was better on the drums than Eddie, and when he heard Alex perfectly play the Safari's Wipeout, Eddie told him, keep the drums, I'll play guitar. Alex was so talented with the drums, he even began playing drums for his father on his weekend gigs. From their early childhood, throughout their teens, Alex and Eddie were passionate about music. There was no doubt in their minds that music is what they would do. In elementary school, they started their own band, The Broken Combs, and would perform at lunchtime in the cafeteria. The thought of performing in front of a crowd terrified the young guitarist. At 12 years old, to help ease his nerves before a performance, his father gave him a shot of vodka and a cigarette. Eddie would later say that for nearly three decades, he never once toured sober. Never having any formal lessons, Eddie practiced his guitar religiously. He said, I used to sit on the edge of my bed with a six-pack of Schlitz malt talls. My brother would go out at 7 p.m., and when he came back at 3, I would still be sitting in the same place playing guitar. I did that for years. His desire was never to be a rock star, but rather a rock guitarist, a clear distinction to him. The guitarist idolized Eric Clapton, over time learning every single solo of his. In 1972, Alex and Eddie would form the first iteration of the band that would later hold their name. Originally, the brothers paired with bassist Mark Stone and settled on the name Genesis. That was until Eddie discovered the name was already in use after pulling out a copy of Nursery Crimes from a bargain bin. So the trio settled on the name Mammoth. It was around this time that the band began playing weekend gigs at backyard parties. Afterwards, they would meet up with their father, who himself would be finishing off a day of gigs. They'd stay up late into the night, drinking in the back of young Eddie's van. Embarrassed and furious, Eugenia would lock the three out of the house, forcing them to break back in. Eddie would later recall, She hated the fact that we were into music. She wore the pants in the family. I hate to say it, but I don't think my dad would have drank as much as he did if it wasn't for her. She had a heart of gold, and don't take this the wrong way, but she was Hitler on a bad day. For two years, the trio performed as Mammoth, and for two years, Eddie despised singing lead, claiming he couldn't stand it, much preferring to focus on the guitar. For several years, the band had been renting a PA system from a rivaling band fronted by young David Lee Roth. With Eddie tired of singing and figuring it would be cheaper, the trio invited Roth to join their band despite failing earlier tryouts. With many of their peers moving away to college and furthering their academics, the brothers and Roth were stuck with one another. 
Soon the group would discover another band had copyrighted the name Mammoth and were once again searching for an identity. The brothers originally wanted to name the band Rat Salad after the Black Sabbath song. Roth wisely countered, suggesting the name Van Halen. Roth would later say the name reminded him of a classical pianist or a pirate ship. The addition of Roth to the band added his ambitions to the brothers' own. Roth lobbied heavily for the band to move from the backyard party scene to begin auditioning for gigs on the Sunset Strip in Hollywood. After 19 different clubs had turned the group down, they finally got a gig at Gazzari's Hollywood Agogo after being rejected by owner Bill Gazzari on their prior three auditions. As the band began playing on the strip, they asked Mark Stone to leave the group as his time and attention was split between the band and his continuing education. Stone would later note he just couldn't keep up with them. They soon replaced him with another bass player of a local band, Michael Anthony. By 1978, the band was playing even more venues such as Starwood and Whiskey A Go Go, as well as larger venues such as the Pasadena Civic Center that seated 3,000 people. Van Halen was quickly rising to stardom. David Lee Roth had a commanding onstage presence with his vocals, quick wit, clothing, and dancing. As Eddie and Alex continued to master their craft, it was Eddie's guitar playing that became the sound of Van Halen, along with Michael Anthony's iconic high-pitched background vocals. That same year, Gene Simmons, the famous bassist of KISS, heard Van Halen perform at the Starwood and offered to produce a demo tape for them with hopes of turning it into a record deal for the young band. According to Simmons, he flew the band out to New York to record at Electric Lady Studio, the studio of the late Jimi Hendrix. Van Halen recorded 24 tracks for the demo tape. Simmons looked to his own manager to manage the aspiring band, but he declined. Van Halen returned to the Sunset Strip where they would continue to perform until, in February of 1977, Ted Templeton, the producer of the Doobie Brothers and Van Morrison, witnessed Van Halen perform at the Starwood. That same night, Templeton offered Van Halen their greatest achievement yet a record deal with Warner Brothers. The unknown band from Pasadena, California would soon be unleashed on the world, next time on 10 Minutes About. Thank you for listening. For 10 Minutes About, I'm your host, Forrest Kelly, and that's not all I've got to say about Van Halen.